Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So today I'm joined by Stuart Nielsen, who is a business leader and MD of Mark Enervy UK and Nordic. So welcome, Stuart. Lisa, I've, I'm always I'm looking forward to this because we always have a really great conversation when you and I touch base. We haven't touched base for about 18 months, so we're going to have a lot to say today. Um, but I'm always really impressed by your whole approach to leadership and organisational culture. Um, you always have a lot to say on it and your work with the um, Future Work Forum, um, I know, has been significant um, over the last number of years and your messaging through that and about the future of work um, I think shares lots of really important insights and lessons that we can all learn from so it'd be really interesting to explore some of those today and some of the challenges that as a business leader you have faced or you're currently facing um, regarding employee experience and looking after your people which I know is really important to you so shall we start by hearing a little bit about you your role and um in your interest in this whole area including the future of work sure well uh, i'm conscious that you know many people probably don't know my background um mm. I, I come from a very commercial background um worked for quite a few large organizations that people may be familiar with i've worked for the novartis pharmaceutical group i've worked for cadbury's i've worked for uh, for the boots company and um and more recently, I've been working in both the hearing industry and now I've just joined the, the optical industry working for a company called Mark Enervy. We manufacture custom custom lathe contact lenses and um, I'm the managing director of the UK and the Nordic region for Mark Enervy. Um, as, as you quite rightly point out, and you know, I'm very passionate about leadership mm -hmm. um, and at the kind of heart of my passion is, is to respect individuals. And, um, and I believe that you know, this kind of transition that we're going through, you know, has almost been inevitable in a way. And I think that the the pandemic has, has accelerated both the development of what good leadership looks like um, and also the development of how organisations need to need to be more aware of, of the kind of human factor. Mm. And, and we're, we're, there's so many indicators that we're moving, moving away from what's historically unfortunate we don't see it so much now but you know that old dictatorial approach to, to leadership and many organizations are starting to say well actually we need to contribute to people's lives but we also need to contribute to society and contribute to the world as a whole mm. and um and i think you know we're, we're kind of in the middle of this transition and the pandemic has you know it's raised awareness of it and i think companies and leaders are coming to terms with what what does that mean because you know I'm, I'm kind of generation x and i've worked through different cultural eras mm. and and adapting into where we are now for a lot of leaders you know br brings its challenges because you know we don't fully understand 
you know the thinking of people coming into the workforce now so we've got we've got generation z we've got the different generations moving into the workforce and we don't fully understand their pers perspective of the world what's important to them what's important to them in the future so there's a there's a real hybrid kind of mix going on i think in the you know in the world at the moment there but, is. The, but there's but there's definitely some trends that um that you know you need to be aware of mm. and you need to be challenging yourself as you lead probably more more than you've ever done before and and i think self-awareness and we talk about it a lot is is very central to having the ability to be able to you know to, to adapt to the needs of the different employee base and to the needs of different people mm. um and that's quite that's, tricky though isn't it for for a lot of people because um i mean you're someone who has huge self-awareness but that sense of um trying to put yourself in the shoes of others and really understand their perspective and i know i've spoken to lots of people who are doing a pretty good job of managing leading their teams but they'll still have this sense of but I just don't get it. I just don't understand why they have this particular view, why they have this particular want. Um, and unless they can get it to some extent, they aren't able to then make that as part of, you know, who how they operate and who they are because they just don't see it maybe as important enough because they just don't get it um, or they just don't get it enough to, to know what it looks like, what it feels like to, to kind of integrate that into everyday practice. I, I think there's a, there's, there's fortunately some people are actually naturally quite sensitive and tuned into others and mm. other people tend to have a you know can have a bit of a block and they kind of struggle with things like empathy and compassion mm. Mm. Of, because of the makeup of their thinking but I think the, the important thing in that situation is if you don't really get that and you can't really understand that but you do understand that's important then you can surround yourself with people that help that process so you do get kind of organizations where maybe there's an outstanding CEO figure who's particularly brilliant at certain things, but lacks some empathy. Mm. If, as long as they're aware enough to understand that's a gap and that they can maybe have a, you know, a, a, a chief people officer or, a, you know, or somebody who fulfills that role that can connect with the organization and the people, mm. then, then you can find a way for the, you know, for the, the leadership team in a way to kind of blend together, you know, to deliver what the employee base ultimately wants. Yeah. And um, so it's not like it's, well, I can't connect with this stuff and therefore I'm not going to be a good leader and I'm mm. not going to be able to mm. connect with my people, mm. but I'm conscious enough to know it's a gap. And actually that consciousness of the gap means you can manage it. And, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that, that's we... what's going yeah i think we often expect people to fulfill the whole role then you know it's like you are a leader or you're a manager and you need to be able to tick off all these competences and be confident in all these different aspects but no one's great at everything and it's about knowing as you say your your strengths but also then um being able to prioritize this enough to say actually yeah, this isn't my strength, but I do need to make sure we are covering this, make sure that someone is supporting this and someone really understands this and doesn't just dismiss it as it's not important. And I think you're right that what's happened over the last couple of years has really accelerated that to the point where people are much more aware now of what they don't know 
Yeah. So it's that sense of actually we everyone talks about employee experience, everyone talks about well-being. And I've had conversations this week with people who have said, yeah, we know that, you know, everyone's supposed to be looking after how people are feeling and being, um, you know, having empathy towards their own circumstances. And yes, we're supposed to be encouraging hybrid working and so on. But actually, when we get down to it, has that much changed underneath? Do we really understand why that's important or how to go about that? And that, that's where there's the gap. And some people are saying we need to fill that gap. And others are just having the view that I don't know how to fill the gap. And therefore, we'll just kind of gloss over it and move on to the next thing that I do feel competent and confident to deal with. Yeah, and, and I think I think there is a gap because there's an unknown. And I think, mm. you know, when, when you look at the relationship between leaders and business owners and employees and their teams, you know, this comes up a lot and I've kind of researched it myself, but the number one thing that allows you people to follow you is when people trust you and you're more likely to build trust by showing your own human side, by, by accepting and admitting that your own kind of vulnerabilities in a way, but also the fact that you don't know everything and that, you know, in, in the kind of, in the world that we live in, there's so much of the knowledge base is actually in young people. When you look at the kind of the digital revolution, you know, you tend to find that a lot of people coming out of university or even entering into university have a much higher technical capability level mm. in, in certain areas that are important to run in the organization. So you've, you've kind of got to connect both ends of that generation scale. And, and, and by saying, look, I don't understand this as well as you, help me to understand it you know, helps you to kind of really connect with people. And I think, you know, that that building of trust is really critical to helping organizations determine what, you know, what they're going to do. And there's, you know, I never forget there's, you know, you often end up talking about organizations and company as though, you know, every company's got 3000 employees and they're a global organization. That's not the case. Some companies have relatively small teams mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's one man bands and they're still companies yeah. and, you know, they don't have this big infrastructure to support their decision making. Mm. So they've got to kind of, you know, work it out for themselves, you know, and I think having a sensitivity to the, the different mindset of different employees, and that can be based on, you know, background, or it can be based on, you know, generational influences. But having an open mind to saying I'm not, I've got to treat people as individuals, you know, means you'll ultimately stand a better chance of, you know, keeping those individuals happy and yeah. and helping them to thrive in in the environment or the company that you're working in. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're a big organisation, I'm not saying it's easier, but it's probably easier to invest in a a VP of the future of work or a VP of hybrid working. Um, but not every every company's got the luxury to be able to do that. Mm. Um, but you've still got to kind of work it out because you know, having you know, I'm cur I currently kind of work with you know people across all generations, and you do see a slightly different set of values and way of thinking. And work means different things to different people. And you know, I, I kind of wrote a I wrote an article for the um, for the future of uh, future work forum. And it was all around what would work look like in 2030. And this was, was kind of fortunate it was published, but, um, but you know, that, that was very much based on saying, you know, in by 2030, something like 70% of the working population 
will be either a millennial or a generation Z. And therefore, you know, that that culture will be the one that, you know, pervades most on industry over the course of the next kind of seven or eight years. Um, and gearing yourself up around that, I think is going to be is going to be quite important. You know, understanding their needs and saying, you know, not everybody wants to commit to 20 years of working nine to five from an office Absolutely. desk. Absolutely. Um, and I think and when, when you said about, you know, this was asking the question to help me understand if you've got a leader asking that question to their employees, it just shows that sense of openness. And I think there are um, certainly some people who are in that mindset of I want people here who don't want to just work nine to five, I want them to work longer hours. I don't want them needing to whiz off at whatever time to, you know, fulfill other responsibilities. Um, you know, I, this is how I perceive work should be. And I guess if you've got people like that, uh, and that's who they want everyone to be in their organisation, they just need to make that very clear so that people who don't, you know, have the same values can go and find a different company to work for because there are plenty of opportunities elsewhere rather than trying to convert people to just stick to their way of working and the, you know you've got to be in the office at these particular times if you don't even if you don't need to be and that's that's actually one of the challenges we're looking at you mentioned earlier Stuart about how do companies balance that need between looking after people's well-being and running a business and that's one of the really big challenges right now for business leaders isn't it it, it is totally and you know I think there is a little bit of a leap of faith in there that mm. um, that says if, if you have a happy engaged employee there is ultimately you will you know you will you will end up with more productivity and better results yes because the the you know having an openness to and it doesn't mean to say you you know still as a leader you've got to get alignment right I mean you've got to get some focus if you're managing a team or a group or a company, you have to get a certain amount of alignment and focus in order mm. to get the results that you mm. need to run your organization mm. and your business. But how you do that and how you engage with people, you know, I think, you know, I, I always find that I, I try and make people accountable. Now, making them accountable means that they take responsibility for their actions and their outputs. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I've kind of shifted myself from, you know, not being 100% certain of what people were doing when they were out of sight to totally embracing agile working. But but with that comes accountability Absolutely. for performance with those individuals. And if, if the performance and the output and the achievements are not there, then then there is a there is a question mark and something that you need to better understand because you know, um, but I think the start point, what I really like about the impact of the pandemic is it's it's forced people to understand that you can trust most people. Right? Yes. You can and most people want to want to do a good job. Most mm -hmm. people will commit themselves to doing that, whether mm -hmm. they're on a bus, on a train, in, in a Starbucks, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the office. And and it also kind of made people realize that. Not everybody does their best work sat in an office surrounded by other people. Mm. They sometimes do their best work with headphones on listening to <laughs> listening to music. Absolutely. Or, 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 or even traveling, they do their best thinking. So, mm. you know, creating an openness in your own mind of saying, I, I trust people to get the results, but in a way I'm going to let them have 
some freedom and flexibility in how they do that. And, yeah. you know, there was a, a survey by LinkedIn recently, which was looking at, you know, looking at talent and, you know, when people were motivated, the type of companies that they were most engaged in and the ones that were very clear about, you know, giving flexibility to people in terms of how and when they worked were the organizations that, you know, people most wanted to work for. And I, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I think that's where when, you know, we're unpicking what employee engagement or employee experience means, I think that's almost a fundamental question, isn't it, for leaders to be very aware of asking themselves, asking their leadership team, asking their employees, the whole workforce, what does this, what does it mean to you? Because it's too easy for people to jump to you make sort of make assumptions about what we think is going to make great experience here, whereas actually it's the it's the tougher stuff to achieve. It's the the sort of non tangibles such as the trust and empowerment and psychological safety and it's it's everything that makes up how we feel and how we engage with each other and with that organisation, which are not necessarily the things you can grab hold of and say this makes my experience great. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think, you know, they come back to these factors behind this great resignation. I mean, something mm. like 39 million people walked out of their jobs in 2021 purely in yes. America alone. Yeah. You know, there's, and yes, you could say, well, you know, I was fed up with what I was doing. I didn't enjoy my work. You know, um, I can get paid more on the US social security. But, you know, the, the reality is that, you know, people want a purpose mm. in life. And, you know, it's kind of, the pandemic in itself had just made people reflect on, you know, I, I, you know, work is not purely about doing a job and paying the bills. Work is kind of an intrinsic part of the way that I want to live. Yes. And I want to be able to express myself in the right way. And, you know, some organizations have gone so far as, you know, giving, giving people lots of time out to go and pursue different things. They've created, I think it's Unilever that have kind of created a, a new model of working which mm. is you know more about having flexible time on projects mm. working within the Unilever organization mm. so they can utilize the time they need to pursue the other things in life mm. that are really really important to them mm. and you know finding a way to be able to do that I think is um, is really interesting and I think I think maybe as organizations want to perform commercially um you know, you should look at the kind of model of the kind of B Corps. I mean, you've heard of the B Corporations. Yes, yes. Um, you know, they're all about organizations that have a sense of purpose beyond purely profit. Mm. And mm. to be certified a B Corp means that, you know, you have a certain commitment to, to the planet, a certain commitment to your employees. But, you know, what, what I understand from the B Corps is that, they actually perform commercially, you know, very, very well. And yet profit isn't the only driver. So, you know, I think you can blend it. And I think there needs to be maybe a, you know, a kind of a reality check in there on, you know, how much profit do you really need to make versus how much can you then give back yeah. to employee well-being, you know, yes. to sustainability. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's what comes back to what is really motivating us, isn't it? And as as a leader or whoever I am in my role, what is motivating me? Is it just about making as much money as I possibly can? 
or is it about doing good um, in the wider sense? And I think when companies are very clear about what their purpose is and their values around that, and they identify their strengths around, you know, how do I go about achieving this? And actually, where are my gaps? And what do I do to plug those gaps? Um, people can start to make a plan around it rather than just use having this term or just thinking we need to be doing something more, but it's a bit, it's a bit airy fairy. It's like no one kind of really understands it. And people, you know, when you said about um, the example from Unilever, I can imagine some people hearing that and just kind of shudder going down their spine thinking, I couldn't possibly just let people go off and do their own thing. I think it was McLaren who um, were doing something different around how they set goals. So they, you know, you didn't have the senior leadership team or kind of goals coming from the top down. Everyone had a very clear sense of what, why they were had their job, you know, what the company was trying to achieve, and therefore we can set our own goals within teams. So the teams were involved in setting their own goals to work towards. And once they set them, they were incredibly motivated. And that comes as part of that trust, doesn't it, that you've talked about where people, you don't have to be watching people, you don't have to see them, you don't have to have them clocking in and clocking out because you know that intrinsically they're motivated to fulfill the very thing that they're working on, where they're able to use their strengths, where they're really interested in what they're doing, why would people not perform? Yeah, and, you know, I like that McLaren example because you know if you if you can let people set their own their own objectives and their own targets and the things that they want to achieve, then ultimately they will first of all they feel trusted to be able to do that mm. because they're saying, you know, I've got I've got people who believe in me enough to say, hey, you can set your own targets, you can set your own objectives. You know that's incredibly, you know, inspiring and empowering and uplifting for the individual. And then, and then once you've set your own targets, it drives a sense of accountability again, which is what I've talked about. Which mm -hmm. is, you know, knowing that you know you're accountable to the numbers you've set yourself. And then, then you're going to strive towards them. You're not going to then give up on your own, exactly, you know, on your own your own ambitions. And you can't then blame somebody else for giving you a a target that was kind of, you know, massively overstretching and actually I've disengaged because I think it's unachievable. Yeah. You know, and I think, and it's, it's what, you know, what you and I talk about isn't rocket science, but I think we get set in our ways of thinking, don't we? We tend to think and behave in patterns and the ability just to have a conversation with someone you know, whether I'm having a conversation with you or when I was having a conversation with someone last week and I just ask a particular question and it just makes someone stop and think, oh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. And to see it from someone else's perspective and to open up the possibilities. And it's not about necessarily having to undertake, you know, I think lots of people get very anxious around, I've got to have a whole new whole new strategy whereas actually you've just got to pull stuff together you've probably got really good practice in your company you need to pull it together and link you know join the dots up um, or i've got to take on a whole new area of development well actually have you have you you know what have you got in place already what do you know what don't you know and when you start asking specific questions and just having the conversation about this it has that kind of light bulb moment oh i hadn't thought about it like that or that's how oh. I could present, you know, present that question to change someone's mind if I've got someone who's digging their feet in. <laughs> totally. I mean, and, and you know, when, when you look at it, you think there's a lot of companies who are already in businesses who, who provide massive employee benefits. They mm. just don't they just don't promote them in the right way. They just, yes. you know, and I think 
oh, no, does that mean we have to have a crash facility? Well, no, not necessarily, because there's a cost and an impact associated yeah. with that. But actually look at all the other things that you can provide. Yeah. And if, if you're in a particular line of business that can provide employee benefits that are kind of connected to your company and your values, then even better. I mean, you know, people quote Patagonia a lot for their, their mm, focus yes. on saving the planet and you know it's a very very genuinely entrenched culture mm. um you know the, and the employee benefits they give i mean they they give people time to go away and you know do do mountain climbing and walks and you know and actually you know there's a lot of a lot of businesses transacted in the great outdoors for them mm. because that's kind of what they want yeah. to encourage their teams to do um but you know that's seen as an employee benefit to them and i think you know, this hasn't really evolved fully yet, but I think there's a, I think there's a time when, you know, certain companies based on their, their purpose, their values, you know, the, the types of interests that employees have, you know, that you'll start profiling different elements of the employee mm. to match that organization. Now, yes. you know, that's, you could say that's happened before in the past, but I think it's been far more hybrid. And I think, you know, there'll be certain organizations that you will choose because you see a, a real connection between their values, their interests, their industry, and what I'm interested in as a person. And mm. I think, you know, the impact for employee employers in that mm. situation is that they need to become better at promoting their um, um, employer brand yeah. so that, you know, any prospective, you know, new employee kind of sees the organization in the way that they want to see and that may not be in a way that attracts a certain type of person but it may attract somebody else and and you, you, know. you want to attract the right type of people to fit into your organization yeah. don't you and i and i love that whole it, what you're saying reminds me of when i meet people who um so i collaborate lots of people and i meet some people who we've had conversations lots and lots saying we need to work together we're going to find something to do together because you know when you're just your values just are, are the same and you just really connect and there's that sense of just getting together having conversations you have the energy and you're you both share the same sort of purpose in the world and you just know that good things are going to happen and you're finding the opportunity for it and imagine having a company where you're as you say you're employing people based on who they are and what their values oh, are and yeah what Brilliant. they're excited I mean, about it's <laughs> whole different yeah, workforce I mean, I heard I heard a term and I thought it was brilliant, which is um, I think it's Patagonia who do it, but they're, 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 they read CVs upside down from the they they read them back to front. So what they look at and because everybody tends to put hobbies and interests and mm. volunteer work and mm. contribution work all at the end of their CV, mm. and so they they have a policy they read it backwards. So they oh, they start from the point of view that. I'm going to get most of my cultural insight into this individual and cultural fit from this particular part of their resume. And they start, so they read it, they read it backwards. They read the CV backwards. So, you know, I think, and the, the, the insight there for a lot of people is, you know, don't, don't, you know, what matters a lot now to employers is not just your technical capabilities and your experience, but your character mm. and your interests and mm. your own values. So, Absolutely. you know, be, you know, increasingly, I do a lot of work with, you know, the people I work with to encourage them to define their values, to yes. say, what, what are the kind of, what are the principles 
that and beliefs that they have as a person mm. that drives their behavior mm. right because you know if, if your principles and your beliefs are not consistent within that organization or you work for a leader who's got a completely different set of mm. beliefs and and values it's not going to work it's probably going to be quite a challenge for that you mm. know for that to be a harmonious working yes. relation and it's also so, then that increases your awareness around whether you're leading um with intention or whether you're almost being sort of quite passive in terms of this is just how we do things around here because this is you know when i when i was appointed into my role as a manager as a leader this is how I, this is how we've done things before rather than actually saying do those things work and actually the roles in my team are they are those roles based around traditional role names or are they based yeah. around strengths that people have you know can we be creative in terms of what we call people what their role is and what they're allowed to do and actually the stuff that traditionally that person might do in that role if they're rubbish at it because it's just not their skill set give it to someone else who loves that stuff because mm. if you're not even if you're even if you're reasonably good at something if it bores you silly you're not going to be performing very well on it and it's not going to be motivating you to, to do that so it's about having a whole rethink around what drives people to behave and to engage and, yeah. and so on yeah i mean you know and it's you know this is this is a kind of a team working tool that i use a lot but i use i, I still use belbin profiling mm. because because I, I think it's a fantastically relatively quick and easy process that you know if it if it if it's running the right way you get insights into each other you do it in a team environment you very quickly get insights into people's preferred role in teams and what that actually means is it's it's their preferred way of working yes so if if you're a leader or a team leader or a manager or whatever and you you know that's their preferred way of working so you know i'd much rather be mm. maybe you know their skill set is resource investigating they'd much rather be going out and looking for something that can contribute to what mm. gets done mm. if you're not a complete a finisher then what why would you give someone that task of making sure yeah. you know exactly all the details finished exactly. and but some people in the team might absolutely love it so you know it's, it's just one of the tools i know that's available to assess yeah. these but you know to your point um the quicker you can get the insights into the individuals you know the more effective you're mm. going to be as a leader because mm. you can ultimately play to the play mm. to the strengths of people and you know i i think yeah you should maybe you know sometimes look at developing weaknesses but most productivity in my experience comes from playing to the strengths of individuals i couldn't agree this. more there's a, a great book uh i really enjoy is um the nine lies about work um i think it's called and i think in there it gives a great example about you know you might have an awesome tennis player who you know wins everything and they're right-handed so their left hand's the weak hand. You wouldn't spend all that time then saying, right, I now need to get you up to speed on your left hand. It's like, you just keep going with your right hand because it works really well. So, it, it, and, but we seem to have this um, mindset, which is actually, we need to make sure everyone ticks all the competences uh, and we need to, you know, spotting where people aren't so good and sending them on some course to develop that aspect where, but do they really need those core, core skills or core competences actually it's, it's about utilizing what you're really good at and what motivates you and where you when you're when you're doing that thing you end you know you engage in a sense of flow and time passes really quickly and you just achieve amazing things 
It does absolutely. You, you become, you're, you're not really clock watching. You're just exactly. so, so passionate about what you're doing in that given time and day or whatever. And I think, you know, so, you know, in, in my experience, people enjoy what they do more. If you, if you give them something they're passionate about exactly. doing and they can see the purpose in it and it plays to their strengths. And if you don't, as a leader, if you don't know the strengths of your team, then you're going to miss yeah. an opportunity there to be able to yeah. you know, help, help them become, you know, ultimately the best that they can be. Mm. And, mm. you know, I have a couple of sayings that kind of link to this whole employee experience thing, which is, you know, you should, and I, I think I put a quote out on this actually on LinkedIn, but it was more about a positive employee experience is helping people to leave your company in a better place than they started. Yes. Right. And, yes. you know, if you have a commitment to every employee that whether you stay with us for a long period of time, whether it's a relatively short stint, as long as you leave here in a better place than you started, you know, mm. then we've done a good job as an employer. Um, mm. And and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're kind of weak and you just let people be mm. lazy because you've also got to have a system of accountability and yeah. performance, you know, and I, and I think, you know, the, the smart leaders will learn how to blend you know, blend all these kind of employee well-being elements mm. and the experience of working in the company with a, with a high performance mindset. So a growth a growth mindset. To get mm. a growth mindset, working alongside, you know, treating people with respect as human beings, and that that's what we're doing really. And we're kind of helping them to have a better, you know, a better life, not just mm. a better work experience. But the, you connect it with a growth mindset within the company in terms of what you do and how you want to achieve it and constantly kind of challenging yourselves and mm. you know having this kind of continuous improvement approach then then you'll perform commercially at the same time as and getting that blend is you know will require different type of leadership skills you know and leaders with you know the leaders that will find it easier will be the ones with more empathy more compassion absolutely yeah absolutely. Um, is that is is that sense of that value add that the employer the value they're providing to their employees, which is tends it slightly on its head from lots of people whose view is that people come to work here so we can get from them, we can take from them. <laughs> they're coming here to serve us. Well, actually, as an employer, you're there to serve them and provide the right experience for them to be able to engage. And I think that's where, you know, my mantra about get people right to get business right, um, you know, that's that's why that exists. And I think you, one of your posts on LinkedIn was. Um, in the future, the most successful companies will prioritise a culture of trust and put employee well-being first. Is that sense of look after your people, and then great things happen. But I think it's a it's a challenge for lots of companies. I know you've talked about different generations um, within a company, and I know from conversations I've had recently, where people have had been given the responsibility to develop employee experience whatever that might look like for that particular company but they've got some people who just don't believe in it some people just don't get it and traditionally from the people I've spoken to they might be the people who've worked there for a long time who have done things in a particular way don't really see the need for things to change is that something you have a view well, I, I should rephrase that what is your view Stuart because you'll clearly have a view on how to change the minds of people who just don't get this whole agenda. Well, I, I think some of it will play out in, you know, as as 
businesses move forward and results start to speak for themselves that mm. you're not engaging your employees if you're not giving them a positive experience mm. then ultimately your performance will you know your performance will start to suffer and I think you know that will start to kind of manifest itself so there's yeah. got to be a a bit of an enlightenment enlightenment somewhere within that company or organization in order to you know to adapt to what you know what is happening and to what the needs are because you won't attract the talent and if yeah. you're not attracting the talent then your propensity and potential to be successful and to perform starts to get diminished so mm. I think um you know I think there's going to be a kind of a learning curve and a learning process in there mm. um I think um yeah, I think that the one thing that I always say to people, and, and there's been times in my career when I've been in companies and I've had this value and I've been vocal about it and it's not always sat comfortably within the hierarchy, is that I always put the employee welfare and well-being ahead of the business. Yes. Now, that's a really uncomfortable thing to say when you're running a business and you're running a, you may be running a division of a company or a local market. But, you know, 100%, you know, that's never backfired. That is always the, the response that I get from the people I work with and my mm. teams, you know, th they pay that back 10 times over. Of course Because they do. If, if you're prepared to say that and you position it as a value, you've got to be true to it. Otherwise, mm. it's not a value. Mm. You know, the minute you don't act in that way, it's not a value anymore because yeah. a value are the things that, that you, you're true to and that you actually make happen. And, yeah. you know, when whenever there's a, you know, whenever there's a challenge for an employee or there's a challenge in their, you know, a family or a domestic situation that needs to, needs time to address, um, then they get that time, you yeah. know, and it's, it's a really fast decision and it, it makes people feel actually, yeah, I'm totally valued here. I'm totally understood. Mm. And, um, you know, and that, and that's important to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, when, when, when you move forward, I think really good leaders, and it's interesting, you talk about how do you, how do you get people into a certain way of thinking? Um, well, I, I think intrinsically, if you don't start to understand self-awareness and the benefits that you get from that, then you're probably not intrinsically such a strong leader because, uh, you know, a, a strong leader now needs to have that capability mm -hmm. and therefore not having those insights will start to manifest itself in yeah. either a higher turnover of staff which yeah. affects performance and mm -hmm. productivity mm -hmm. um or lower morale levels which affects mm -hmm. performance and productivity so and, I I, think, and like um, you said earlier then it's about plugging you know if you haven't got certain skills you know if you're not great at empathy it's about finding people who are close by on your team who can fulfill that role and they're arguably it's not going to be as effective as the leaders having that themselves but there are certainly ways of um not just leaving that as a gaping great hole and also and also just that sense of having mentors who inspire you and you can learn from and just having conversations and there's so much you know if, if people say actually you know what? i'm not so great at asking these questions you know, lots of stuff I do around managers who've got a lot on their shoulders right now in terms of how to manage all these you know hybrid teams and all these people who 
you know, whose emotional needs might be kind of higher up the agenda, but I don't know how to have good conversations. I don't know how to show that I care. What language should I use? How should I contact them? How often should I contact them? What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? And if they, when they're open enough to say, I'm, I don't know, can you help me? There's always going to be people in house, out of house who can guide, who can just have those conversations, try this, try that, have you thought about, but it's having that self-awareness to start with, say, I'm not getting it quite right. So I, I know I'm not yeah. getting it quite right because I don't get them. I don't get what, what I should be doing. Yeah. And it's, and, and this is, you know, I, I mean, you know, long before the pandemic, I've always been a great believer in, you know, the, the core of success for a career is self-awareness. Mm. And um, there was, um, there was always something that I remember, and this, this, this story goes back a little bit, but it's very relevant even to today where there was um, somebody called Daniel Vassella was the probably the youngest ever CEO of the Novartis organization, a huge multi-billion pound global company. And, um, you know, I kind of heard a story that he'd, you know, he'd kind of reached out and, and, and a journalist had found out he'd been having psychotherapy and um, while he was in this role as CEO of Novartis. And, um, and you know, he was, he was then asked by this journalist, you know, how on earth can you manage you know, literally tens of thousands of people in your organization successfully if you if you feel the need for psychotherapy. And and he completely turned it on his head and he said, you know, he said, I actually think I'm going to be better equipped to manage this organization because the lot more I can learn about myself, the more effectively I can I Absolutely. can lead this company. And I thought it was a a terrific, you know, insight into you know how how the world has evolved, which is yeah, you know, there is people are now applauding mm. individuals who say you know i want to better understand myself yeah whereas you know maybe there's been a belief in the past that it was a weakness well actually yes. it's completely the opposite now it's actually exactly. a it's you know it's a strength and it, and, and it will be a strength and you know the more you know about yourself the better you can understand other people's emotions and behaviors you know the more you see in others the more you yeah. you say i'm going to first I love that phrase, which is the Stephen Covey, you know, first seek to understand. Mm. It, it's such a powerful reminder that mm. before you jump to a conclusion, you know, un understand what you're understand what you're really looking at, understand what you're really seeing, um, rather than jumping yeah. to a kind of an emotional conclusion around it. And um, you know, I, I always kind of quote, "What what do I mean by self awareness?" And I give an example of. You know, you're walking along the street, you're walking towards somebody you know, and um, and they walk straight past you without acknowledging you and without saying hello or smiling. And you you stop and reflect on what's just happened. Mm. And you can choose your reaction to that mm. situation. You can either decide how rude were they? Mm. They must have seen me. And, you know, you get upset about it and you feel a little bit angry about it. It affects your next interaction with them when mm -hmm. you see them. Or you could say, well, actually, maybe they just didn't see me. Maybe I just, you know, they were concentrating on something else. They didn't see me. The next time I'll maybe have a, you know, a little bit of a joke about it. And Absolutely. Um, and that, know, I, I use that example choose. so much. I use yeah, that. It's, it, it's a great one. And I think when you, when people get so much better at self-awareness, which enables them to reframe. So rather yeah. than... It exactly that was and very that's what that's what self-awareness allows yes. you to do you know this is a psychotherapist yeah. more than i do but you know it, it's getting in it's getting into your thought process and saying 
you know, I can question that thought before I attach a, a feeling and an emotion yes. to it and a behavior to it. Yeah. And, and highly self-aware people can do it. You know, it's real time, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, it's a split nanosecond that they're, yeah. they have an awareness that thought may not be totally right. Um, Absolutely. And I think when that, you know, a lot of my, so people sometimes say, what do I, what's my role as a psychologist in terms of what I do? And a lot of it's, it's, um, asking lots of questions. So I really unpick rather than just try and offer solutions. Um, but it's also being able to help people understand why they're thinking, how they, you know, why they jump to those conclusions, what their assumptions are and helping them understand a bit about the brain and understanding that our brain works on patterns. So we, we, how we make sense of the world around us is based on our prior experience. And we, once we understand these patterns, we can then start to influence our emotional response to them, which that in turn feeds into our thoughts about the whole situation. So there's so many points you can interject and you can start changing the patterns day to day. But as you say, it comes back to wanting to. It's about having that awareness that maybe I'm not quite seeing the world from other people's perspectives. And maybe I need to start broadening my perspective to, to take into consideration the needs of other people who, who's got different needs to me. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and in a way it comes back to the way that I encourage people who maybe don't have quite so much insight or, or self-awareness is to mm. ask that question, mm. first seek to understand, which, yes. which actually puts a, it pauses that decision-making process. Yes. So rather than diving in with a, you know, well, well, you're wrong because of this or, that, you know, that's inappropriate. You actually, mm. you, you actually reflect on it. Now, how can I better understand this situation? Help, help me to understand what you're saying, you know, help me understand what happened there, you know, because it can, you know, like you say, it's reframing, mm. but it, it, it's reframing with a phrase. And Stephen Covey you know, has a whole chapter on that, on that statement yeah. because, he realizes how important and how powerful it is to having the appropriate response. So much to say. I'm just, I'm just also conscious of time. What would, um, what would be your suggestions for sort of one or two actions that you would think actually from, if you were to encourage leaders to go away and think differently about some of this stuff, what would be a good starting point for people to perhaps um, to develop. I, yeah, I mean, I always think if you, you know, if you're prepared to be a self-learner, um, you know, you know, read books that kind of maybe resonate, that can give you some insight into, you know, how you can kind of change your, you know, change your thinking, because you change your thinking, you change your behavior, and it's kind of a, but, you know, I, I would, I would recommend to people to, um yeah, I think it's Simon Sinek who talks about, you know, become a student of leadership. Mm. Well, becoming a student of leadership means, you know, trying to better understand what good leaders do, better understand mm. psychology of thinking. Um, you know, read read certain books that I'm not a great book reader from front cover to back cover, but I'll dip into books and I'll yeah. say, that's something that kind of resonates with me. And there's, you know, there's various books that kind of give you some, really quick and easy insights that you know that that help you help you to develop your thinking mm. now you know there's there's a book actually and it's not it's not positioned as a business but you probably know it called the new earth by Eckhart Tolle you know and but for any business person 
it is such a powerful book because it it really gets you to keep your thoughts thoughts in the present and in the moment which helps you to deal with things in a better way so you know fr from that perspective i think um you know be a be a student be a student of leadership and you know and look at some of the types of you know books and journals and things that can kind of help you i mean i'd also recommend to people to you know i'm part of the future work forum there's 25 partners and you know the all the material that we write as a as a future work forum it's all available on the, on the website it's all free of charge and every year there's around 12 or 13 significant articles written on the future of work by by the partners um and these these articles are published and they're circulated around all the business schools around the world so you know the likes of st gallen and yale and mm. harvard or whatever and you know and but the the input and the quality of the the partners that i work with who input into those articles and it's it's you know you, you can just go online and you can read those articles and um you know through the headlines alone you'll get some insights into maybe how you how you're going to handle things and you know and what what does that look like so that's a great know. resource actually for I'll, I'll put that in the show notes Stuart because I think um as you say when people when people want to change when people want to um develop themselves develop what's going on in their organization around making things better for their workforce there are good places to start and I think the future work forum would be a, a great one and reading those resources um and I and I think sort of to round up and it sums up a lot of what you've talked about. It's almost asking yourself that question, what type of leader do I want to be? And if I can be clear about what type of leader I want to be, then I can go and start asking the questions of my team, which takes quite a lot of courage. <laughs> am I this kind of leader? Like how, how am I faring against what, who I really want to be and actually how I'm playing out in practice? Because that increases self-awareness a huge amount. Um, and you want to have the the right support around you to be able to then unpick some of you know where the, perhaps where things aren't quite as positive as you'd wanted them to be. Perhaps there are a few gaps, but then at least it gives you a way into thinking. Actually, these are the sorts of things I need to think a bit more about, explore, um, consciously try to develop. Mm. No, and, and I think you know it's, it's interesting this conversation because it it's really brought home to me the fact that you know given all the challenges that leaders face, now is a really important time for you know mm. self-reflection self-learning and, and and personal personal development and i mm. think you know it has to it has to go hand in hand with the changes that you know that we're all experiencing that mm. we're all going through um you know and ultimately it'll make you know the more more compassionate and empathetic you can be as a leader mm. you know I, I think in the future the much more successful you'll be and taking seriously these things that have happened as a result of well they haven't happened as a result of the pandemic they've probably been accelerated you know like yes, remote working yeah. and this um but you know the, the future of work and the different elements and aspects of it um you know are, are really important if they are really important then you know then give people time to look at an even bigger organization put leaders in place to look at these trends and and say, well, actually, we don't pay lip service to it. We've got a, we've got a strategy around it because we know how important it is. Um, and maybe we will see more of those, you know, 
manager of the future of work in type role within these organizations but um, like you said before we came on air there's lots of um future of work words popping up in lots of job titles now in, in companies so it really does reflect the, the significant change that is is happening which is which is uh, a good thing Stuart if people wanted to get in touch with you what's the best way of making contact um, I, you know, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm, I'm really happy to have a, you know, a conversation with with anybody. I'm really happy just to, you know, just to discuss any any topic. Um, probably the best way to contact me is just, you know, send me an invitation to connect on LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn, and you know that's probably probably the best way to do it. So, um, okay. you know, and and I get back to everybody. I'm not a big believer in. In fact, I think you know. I think ghosting is a very, very dangerous thing, which mm. is becoming a bit of a habit within, within, within business. Mm. Um, but um, you know, I'd, I'd really welcome anybody who wants to reach out to me and um, and have a conversation or share a challenge. I really, Perfect. would be really happy to help. Obviously, I've got my, my job to do, but um, <laughs> you know, outside of that, I'd be really, yeah, I'd be really welcome hearing from people. You've been awesome, Stuart. Thank you so much. I love having these conversations with you. Um, let's not leave another 18 months before we have the next one. No, um, I think things are changing fast enough for us to have another one in a few months' time, I think, Lisa. <laughs> so we should do that. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for your time today. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Beyond the Water Cooler. If you love it, I would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk my details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.